This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey everyone, this is Boomer Esiason, and I am so delighted to have you join us here on our all-new Game Time Podcast. Now, today our guest has vaulted his way up the racing ladder to his current NASCAR Cup Series gig, driving the number 24 Chevy Camaro ZL1 for Hendrick Motorsports. It's certainly my pleasure to welcome William Byron. William, welcome to our Game Time Podcast. Yeah, thanks, Boomer. Appreciate you having me. For NASCAR, this has been the year of the next-gen car. What do you like about it, and what needs to be done to make it better? You know, I think um, safety's kind of been a big a big thing that we're trying to work on. Um, you know, the just the rear impacts into the wall have been uh, more physical and uh, harder for the drivers than in the past. So I would I'd like to see them work on that for sure. Um, but I think that the racing's been really competitive on the track, and there's a lot of you know, like we talked about, there's a lot more contact and things on the track. So it's it's been a good good season in terms of the racing. You know, as with everything new, there's always bugs to be worked out that can only be found when the new products are put to the test under real-life conditions. Now, some of your fellow drivers, including Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, and your teammate Chase Elliott, have complained that the next-gen cars are too stiff, which they say makes them more dangerous. So what's your take on that safety concern? Yeah, I think that it's it's certainly a concern. You know, having a couple drivers have uh, concussions right now is, is not what we want, but uh, I think... You know, NASCAR is going to work on it and we're going to get it better. It's it's the first year, like we talked about, first year with the car. And, um, you know, it is a little too stiff and we've got to We've got to go to work on trying to make it softer so it crushes more uh, when you hit the wall. So uh, I think we'll have some ideas for that in the off season. Hopefully next year we can kind of, you know, put all this stuff behind us with the, you know, some of the increased concussions and things like that. You know, Brad Kozlowski has publicly suggested that uh, at more of the dangerous race courses, many drivers will avoid taking gratuitous risks and will be making so-called business decisions. Have you found that to be the case? You know, not really. I, I'm a competitor first and foremost, and I think once I kind of put the helmet on, it's uh, that adrenaline gets gone, and the the you know intensity and wanting to win is what is is on your mind. So I think that's what I focus on is just trying to win and. Um, yeah, I do think about the safety outside the car, but uh, during the race, I don't. You know, speaking of safety, are you glad special rain tires for the short tracks are on the near horizon? I think that's a cool addition. I think the, the rain races are kind of exciting for the fans, and it makes it, a, it, makes it kind of interesting to see who, who can figure it out because you're on the edge of control and sliding around a lot. So I think it's a cool addition. Um, hopefully we can 
hopefully we can have some rain races next year and see how it goes. You know, one of the new things about NASCAR is that their leadership started having weekly meetings with you guys, the drivers. Have you found them to be productive? Yeah, I think so. I think Steve Phelps, the president of NASCAR, he's done a good job kind of organizing those meetings. And, um, you know, he's, they've listened to us. They've listened to the concerns that we have. And I think that just makes us feel good because we're, we feel like, you know, they're, they're going to take action on the things that we're concerned about. Some of that safety, some of it's competition. So uh, we, we just got to keep working and kind of make sure we're communicating. You know, by the way, as we continue our podcast conversation with NASCAR's William Byron, I have to say he won me over back in October when he tweeted this, things we love to see. NHL hockey is back tonight. So are you still upset that my New York Rangers knocked your Carolina Hurricanes out of the playoffs in seven games? <laughs> you know, I'm not really over it. I, uh, I was actually at that game, and uh, they whooped us pretty good, and, and it seemed like there were a lot of, uh, a lot of Ranger fans there, so that was, that was uh, disappointing. It was for sure. uh, uh, for disappointing for you, but not disappointing for me, that's for sure, and I'm sure we'll see each other again in the playoffs this year. So I also know that you are a huge Carolina Panthers fan. I saw a piece on you where you have above your bed uh, the Carolina Panthers stadium panoramic photo. And I'm just wondering if you thought yeah. that maybe your owner, David Tepper, pulled the plug too early on Matt Rule, the head coach there. You know, I I mean, we gave him a pretty long runway. And uh, it honestly, I, I felt like it wasn't working out as, you know, as intended. I, I was really patient with them, but... Uh, unfortunately that, you know, it just wasn't, wasn't going very good. So hopefully, uh, Steve Wilkes can kind of get us going, uh, for the rest of the season. And, um, who knows, we'll see what, what happens in the future. You know what I love? I love that you're a fan of other sports and that you pay attention and you're proud of where you are. And of course, you know, being the race car driver, you are, you take the checkered flag at Atlanta and Martinsville and the second, uh, win your victory at the paper clip as it's known. And I know Martinsville, I was the, uh, uh, one of the, um, I guess you can go back many, many years. I was uh, a part of that race a long time ago. Now, that was special for you for awesome. a lot of reasons. And one of those yeah. reasons was because of what happened the year before with your mom. Tell me that story. Yeah, so my mom went through, uh, she, had, she had cancer. She was diagnosed with cancer um, the previous year. And it all started at Martinsville. So uh, we were just having a normal uh, spring day. It was kind of uh, my mom and dad came up to the race and uh, they were they were sitting up in the grandstands and watching from the uh, the suite area. And uh, she actually went down with kind of a mini stroke uh, event at that time and um, ended up being a, a brain tumor. So, yeah, it was a crazy uh, series of events in uh, 2021. And, um, you know, our life kind of turned upside down at that at that point. You know, everything she had been healthy at that time and, and nothing was going on. And, and then right then, uh, knowing that she had a brain tumor and then going through the diagnosis, um, you know, she ended up going through radiation treatment. And, and um, about six months later, she was um, cancer free. But at the time, it was really, uh, really uh, a difficult situation. We didn't really know what was going to happen. And um, it was so cool to win at Martinsville one year later, uh, almost to the date, the same weekend of the year uh, that was really special. She was up on the pit box and able to watch the race. So it was, it was really cool. That's great. And how's your mom doing today? Yeah, she's doing well. She's, uh, she's cancer free um, and just kind of going in for her checkups and 
um, and all those things. So she's doing well. You know, it's amazing. You NASCAR drivers get a little crazy these days. Um, and you had an incident with Joey Logano. He bumped you into the wall in Dar- uh, Darlington. And I'm just wondering, yeah. you know, what is happening with you guys? It seems like there's a lot. I know Rubin's racing. I heard that in the movie once. Uh, but now bumping <laughs> into the wall and getting run into the wall is racing. Is that really becoming a thing now? Yeah, you know, it's the culture's changed a little bit. It's uh, this new car. So we went from a, an old style car that if you bump too much against other cars, you would get a flat tire. So there was a lot of risk to, you know, hit somebody too hard. Uh, with this car, it's pretty much fair game because the, the tires don't blow. And uh, basically the only thing that's going to hurt you is getting into the wall. So it's, um, yeah, it's it's gotten more physical this year. The cars are a little bit more durable and uh, it's it's made for some more conflict for sure. There's definitely been a lot more uh, a lot more conflict on the track. You know, I'm sure I speak for all the NASCAR fans out there. We love the drama and certainly the dramatic one. William Byron is right in the middle of everything. All right, we'll revisit how this relatively late bloomer forged a highly unconventional path to NASCAR's top 10 when game time continues right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Game Time, everyone. Unlike most of his NASCAR colleagues, William Byron didn't grow up hanging around a garage working on cars. He was too busy playing other sports. Now, what makes his narrative so special is that he is among one of the first to make the transition from iRacing to real racing. Now, you didn't grow up with transmission fluid in your veins, so to speak, but you watched NASCAR race on TV and you were hooked. What got you hooked on, the, on that initial race? Yeah, I watched racing. I started watching racing when I was five years old. So I was just a young kid that was into other sports. I was into little diecast cars. And um, I got into uh, watching the truck series on TV and then watching the NASCAR Cup series. And kind of, uh, I think my, you know, how into cars I was, was kind of the reason that I I got into racing like I did. But, um, But yeah, I just watched it for years. And then this computer simulation came out uh, that Dale Jr. was a big part of growing and uh, actually Roush, Roush and, and Fenway Park, um, they were they were a big part of creating iRacing. So I got into iRacing, started racing on the computer almost every day. Um, and my parents realized that I was that I was really good at it and, and that I wanted to try to pursue this as a career um, in, in the real thing. So it was a pretty crazy transition, but um, something that is definitely unique to, I guess, the 21st century. 
So I, I read where you begged your dad to take you to Martinsville, going back to that track again. That was your first experience with live racing and seeing it up close and personal. Yeah, my first experience was I was six years old. We went up to the, the track there and I was so into it. I was so hooked by the fuel and uh, the smell of the rubber and uh, just the, the excitement, the noise. So I was hooked when I was really young and uh, we started to do road trips to different racetracks, going to Darlington. We would go to probably six or seven races a year and uh, and kind of take time out of the weekend to to go do that. So it, was, it, become, it became a pretty fun, like father-son bonding uh, trip to go do. Yeah, but he was skeptical about you, whether or not you could actually do this for a living. How did you convince him? Yeah, so, I mean, he was really skeptical. He was he was big on, you know, me keeping my grades up and, and doing other sports. I played football for five years, actually, from, you know, Pop Warner to, you know, junior varsity. And I to, to make the step into racing, I had to kind of give up all those things. And I still did school full time, but I was able to start racing. So he was skeptical of, you know, just how far I could make it. Um, but I think, yeah, I won like my fifth or sixth race and, uh, we started to kind of take off from there. So you started out with vintage cars. So what, are, what are exactly are the vintage cars? What, what are they all about? Yeah. So it's a, it's a like scale size car. So it's not a full size car, but as a, as a 13 to 16 year old, uh, kid, you can race them. Uh, you just have to, you know, get waivers and get approved, but it's not because it's not a full size car. You're going about a hundred. 20 miles an hour. So you're not full speed, but you still get the uh, adrenaline and, and you still learn about the race craft and stuff. So it, uh, it, it definitely, you know, a lot of young kids do that. You know, it's amazing to me, William, is the fact that many parents are loath to have their kids play football at that age, but your parents let you go drive a car at 120 <laughs> miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Football was, uh, Football was the start of it, and then uh, you know, I guess my mom kind of she lost control on the uh, the danger aspect when it got to racing. But but yeah, I was fortunate that my my parents were okay with it, and that they you know they they helped me travel to all the races, and uh, I wasn't able to drive at the time. I was 15 years old, so uh, they were able to get me to the to and from the track and travel all across the country. And you know, here's the big question that leads up to all of this: You spent countless hours racing online video game simulators and i'm just wondering how do those i racing skills transfer successfully for you getting behind the wheel of a real race car yeah honestly just the the feel of the car um visually you know visually you're on a computer you're using your eyes as as all of your feedback so um i learned how to use my eyes and process what i was seeing on the track and and learn where the grip was and and how to move the car around the track so um, I think when I got into a real car, there were I was able to use all my senses and you know sense of smell, uh, just my feel, and uh, it was actually in some ways it was a little bit easier because I was able to kind of use all those tools. So William, were you surprised to see your name, William Byron, on all three NASCAR National Series Rookie of the Year awards? Did you ever expect to have so much success so soon? It was definitely uh, surprising. I, I think that you know I expected to kind of. I expected to have to learn more across the different series, but I was really fortunate to to kind of win early and get opportunities. And Mr. Hendrick, you know, called me up when I was, um, I guess, 19 years old and, and gave me the opportunity to, to drive in the, the Cup Series for Hendrick Motorsports. So, yeah, it was kind of a crazy series of events. I kind of spent 
one year in each each uh, series, and and then um, and then progress to the the pros. So it was definitely different, but I uh, learned a lot. Once once you get to the pros, it's kind of a it's a big learning experience. But I was lucky to get in when I was young. You know, earlier we talked about payback and revenge on the track. I'm just wondering, did you encounter any jealousy or any sort of envy at any point when you were younger? Oh, for sure. Like when I was when I was in the younger uh, when I was younger, but I was racing against you know people that were 40 to 45 years old in the the local tracks. It was definitely tough to manage the uh, yeah the aggression and and trying not to uh, trying to have respect but still be aggressive to win. So it was definitely a learning process. I you know a couple conflicts along the way, but tried to just kind of earn the respect of the older guys, and then um, I think that helped me in the long term. So what was it like when you finally got that call from Hendrick Motorsports that you were going to be one of the guys? Yeah, it was so cool. It was, uh, I was actually racing, I was racing in the lower division, the Xfinity series that races on Saturdays. I landed back home, took a commercial flight uh, back home, landed, um, got in the car and, and got a phone call that, uh, that they wanted to meet with me that afternoon. So uh, I was, I was not sure what, what that was going to be. I didn't know if they were going to say, Hey, you know, we want you to do this another year. Um, but they called me up and, and we sat down at Mr. Hendricks house and, uh, yeah, it was a pretty amazing, uh, 24 hours for sure. Just kind of hearing those words and, um, that they wanted me in the cup series was, was really cool. So a little bit later on, you get assigned the number 24 car and we all know that's Jeff Gordon made that number famous. And now you're stepping yeah. into the number 24 car. I'm just thinking about the pressure on a young man's shoulders. What was that like? It was a lot of pressure. I think the first, my rookie year was a struggle. Um, I think it is for, for most rookies and, and especially NASCAR. It just seems like the veteran guys have a, have a leg up, but uh, it was definitely a struggle. So I just had to stay <laughs> grounded. And, you know, luckily Jeff and I are pretty close and we were able to have a lot of conversations about um, my learning process and how to, how to improve and just, uh, they gave me a lot of time. They gave me a lot of uh, resources and time just to, to develop. And I was lucky to have that because we made the playoffs in our second year. And then, and then it was kind of, you know, we kind of got on a roll from there. You know, I think about going from college football myself to pro football, and it was like a totally different set of circumstances. And I had to relearn yeah. a lot of things about playing the position of quarterback at the pro level. I read where you said it was very similar for you as a rookie. You had to learn, uh, relearn a lot of things about driving at that level. Yeah, for sure. I, I think um, I thought I was really good at certain things, and then I got to the Cup Series and realized that everybody else was really good at them too. So it was. I thought I was really fast and and uh, faster than all my peers at the time uh, going through the ranks. And then you get to the Cup Series and and you learn that all those guys are really good. So. It, it was definitely a learning uh, process, but you know, I think as you kind of gather the, as you build the notebook over time, you kind of know what, what uh, situations, um, you know, you know what's going to happen next. All right, we'll be right back to ask one of NASCAR's budding young superstars where he thinks the sport might be headed in the near future. Stay with us. Thank you. 
Welcome back, everyone. Among the parade of first-time NASCAR Series winners this year are Chase Briscoe, Ross Chastain, Daniel Suarez, Tyler Reddick, and, of course, Austin Sindrick, who was on this program after capturing the Daytona 500 to start the season. So, William, it seems like there's both parity and youth in today's drivers. Is there a special ritual that happens when one of these rookies tends to win one of these, these races? Yeah, it's uh... – I think, you know, it's it's good to see for the sport to have young guys coming in and having its success because uh, for, you know, 10 to 15 years, it was the same guys winning, uh, you know, Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. So those guys, you know, have retired and, and there's kind of a new a new group coming in and, and we're starting to win races. So it, it's a cool kind of changing of the guard to see see it happen and definitely happy for my peers, but not too happy. I want to I want to be the one that that's winning the races. So. Uh, we'll try to keep doing that. So next year, it's going to be the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. NASCAR has a lot of things planned, including an all-star race at the historic North Wilkesboro Speedway. It's one of Stock Car's original yeah. venues. How much fun do you think that's going to be? I think it's going to be so cool. I think, you know, Dale Earnhardt Jr. has been a big advocate for bringing back North Wilkesboro. And uh, it's it's cool because I grew up in North Carolina, and it's one of those historic tracks in North Carolina. And uh, kind of going back to our roots. So I've seen other sports do that and, and do a good job with it, with with hockey, you know, doing the the, the classics in the wintertime outside. And uh, I think it'll be just a cool atmosphere. Hopefully we get uh, a lot of support for it. You know, here's one thing that they came, they came up with that I can't wait to see, and that is the first ever streetcar race in downtown Chicago. Now, is there yeah. a simulator that you can actually get used to, to get ready for this race? Yeah, I mean, we'll certainly use the Chevrolet simulator that we have. It it has a lot of uh, it, it scans the track, but I don't know honestly how they're going to do that. So uh, I'm sure they'll get kind of a, a couple weeks a head start on it uh, when the track's fully built. But uh, yeah, we're in for a crazy race there. I think it's going to be exciting, honestly, just to to see the NASCAR Cup cars go around that track and um, you know the fans up close by the by the track. You know, a lot of PGA Tour professionals say, you know, their their commitment to the tour and their individual um, tournaments is too long, that they spend too much time away from home. Do you is that the same kind of feeling that the NASCAR drivers have about their long weekends? Yeah, it certainly is a lot of time on the road. I think that uh, I try to get um, some rounds of golf in on the road and try to just kind of stay stay loose because we're we're usually on the road for three days a weekend so or three days a week. So. We leave Friday mornings and we come back Sunday night late. So it's a it's yeah, it's a long, um, you know, 38 weekends a year. But it's it's kind of a, you get in that rhythm of traveling and you try to just balance the the life away from home. You know, I wanted to ask you this. There's a lot of young drivers out there and we we're talking about some of those drivers. Have you heard about 21 year old Haley Deegan at all? Yeah, yeah, she's uh, she's doing a good job. She just had her had her first uh, Xfinity race and did pretty well. So you think she's got a future in NASCAR? I think so. I think she she's worked hard at it. She's got a she's got a great uh, great brand. Like the things that she does, does a lot of off road racing, and uh, she's exciting to watch. So so yeah, I think she she's doing a good job so far, and uh, always great to you know have somebody come up through the ranks uh, like she is, and um, you know it'll be cool to see what she does. As we take the white flag here on Game Time, the podcast, I have to ask our guest, William Byron, about the giant Lego projects you've constructed. Now, this is insane to me, William. You've built 
the Empire State Building and the Titanic. Now, this has got to be some form of relaxation for you. And how did you get into it? Yeah, so my uh, so I was into it as a kid. I, I built a lot of Lego uh, projects and kind of loved designing model cars and stuff. And and then um, I went quite a few years with without doing it. And my girlfriend actually bought me uh, a Lego piano that was like four thousand pieces. It actually functions as a piano. So uh, it was that was really cool to build. I built that a couple years ago, and then um, from there I started to just buy every Lego set that I could and, and start building it. So I, I built the, uh, the Lego Titanic it was 9,000 pieces. It's, it's really cool because it comes, it's, it detaches in three different parts and, uh, you can, you can kind of see the inside of the Titanic and the rooms and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it just became something that I, that I got, uh, into over the off seasons and kind of just hanging out. You know, speaking of bricks, what was it like this past summer having the legendary Mario Andretti drive you around the Indianapolis racetrack in a two-seater? Yeah, that was amazing. Um, he was he was super under control, but I was I was nervous. Like I, I was just nervous to go, you know, that at that speed. And honestly, I'm not used to riding around in a in a race car. I'm used used to having control, so it was kind of uh, nerve wracking. But it was super cool. Like the cool thing about that is. When you're in an indie car, uh, the helmet kind of lifts off your head because of the the air pressure that comes from from the outside air. So I've never experienced anything like that. So it was really cool. You also caught up with their former idol and teammate, and that was Jimmy Johnson, who's now into indie car racing. What'd you guys talk about? Yeah, we just talked about his indie car season and and the way that he's uh, he's been doing. So he's he's been you know on the indie car circuit since he retired from NASCAR and trying that that side of things. So we just talked about the differences there. It was, it was pretty fun to, to kind of talk about. You know, you do a lot of interesting things, uh, William. And one of those interesting things was that you went to Steph Curry's graduation at Davidson. Now, yeah. why would you do that? <laughs> so I, yeah, I had, a, I had a buddy of mine that went to Davidson and a uh, big basketball fan. And, um, you know, he ha- he's like, hey, I got, I got two tickets to this, uh, to this graduation. I was like, sure, I'm, I'm not doing anything. So went up there and, and watched Steph Curry get, uh, get, you know, I guess his jersey retired and, and graduate from Davidson. It was, it was super cool. You know, Steph grew up uh, just a few minutes down the road, uh, went to a, a school that's in the same conference as me and in high school. So I was kind of interested just to see what he talked about. And uh, man, he's so talented. It's, it's amazing to watch. It is amazing to watch. Uh, you're studying at Liberty University right now, so hopefully you're going to graduate before Steph Curry does. Yeah, that's the goal. That's what that's what I joked about with my parents. I was like, you know, if I can just uh, if I can just get a few years earlier than Steph Curry, that would be good. And so, what are you majoring in? I'm in communications. So I started uh, I started classes uh, actually towards the end of high school, and then I I don't I'm not able to take a full course load, but. I'm trying to do it during the off season and kind of, uh, kind of, yeah. I'm close to finishing. I've got uh, seven or eight credits left. Oh, great! So I'm just wondering, is this going to help you communicate with your crew chief better? <laughs> I hope so. That that would be a good, uh, good perk to have from it. Hey, tell me, what is the secret to um, the the race burnout after you win, and and how do you know when you've really actually hit the mark? Yeah, so you you drop it into like second or third gear. Uh, we have five gears, so you just try to get into a lower gear, but not too low to where it bounces off the uh, the rev limiter that that the car has. So 
you uh, you put a lot of front brake to it, so you try to try to put all the brake to the front, um, so the rear tires spin, and then you can hold the brake to to keep friction on it. So yeah, it's pretty fun. It's it's honestly one of the most exciting things to do because the the cockpit fills with smoke. You don't really know where you are, but um, it's it's a lot of fun. Well, William, here's the more burnouts. We thank you for joining us today, and to all of you for watching. I'm Boomer Esiason, and I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time with surfing legend Kelly Slater.